Podcasting from the Space Coast in Florida, this is the Dadpreneur Podcast, where we'll feature entrepreneurs, share digital marketing strategies to help grow your business, and discuss the dynamics of family and business. Now your host, Alex Oliveira. Hey, welcome to the Dadpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Oliveira, and I want to wish everybody a happy Friday. Weekend is coming up, uh, and we are in the swing of Q2 here. So those of us who are in sales, marketing, or are just entrepreneurs, we're always measuring everything by quarters. And so, but I felt like last weekend, it was Good Friday, and the uh, beginning of the second quarter was falling on a holiday weekend and everyone was just looking forward to going away and spending time with family. I hope you got a chance to. I certainly did with um, my kids, my wife, my sister. We went down and spent some time with my mom in Fort Lauderdale and it was a great time. So here we are though, you know, back to reality. Uh, Q2 is in a full swing of things and um, there we go. But today what we're going to talk about is what kind of an entrepreneur you are. If you are considering starting your own business, it's a really important to understand what type of an entrepreneur you would be or you are already. And I personally, after 20 years of running businesses, starting businesses and investing in businesses, um, I still find new discoveries in my behaviors in just about every area of business. So it's really important to spend time discovering that about you. But where I'm going to start is asking the question, if you are um, getting into entrepreneurship for the first time, maybe you're considering leaving your current job, your career, or you're doing your second act, uh, it's important that you figure out what bucket you're going to fall in. And we are going to talk about that. But first, want to talk to you about really three different buckets of business. One would be what I call the aha business. That is the, the one that you just were sitting there one day and you came up with an idea. It's that aha moment, right? The second one would be something that you've been working on. It might just be an iteration of another product, service, or solution out there. And it's going to help solve a problem. So it's very technical. Maybe you have experience in the industry or with the products and services, and you're going to be able to solve a big problem. So that's the second type of a business. And you see that with many startups as well. The third category can split into two really, and that is buying a business that is already running, has a customer base, has products, services, all that stuff, right? Set up. And there you have a couple choices. You can buy a franchise that you know is going to have a network and a hierarchy and you'll look to the headquarters to be able to get all the administrative back office things taken care of so that you can focus on just running the business. And there's no shortage of franchises out there. The second way that you can buy a business would be to buy from an independent or private company that is not like a big brand, right? So, and for that, you would go to a business broker. But now that you know which direction you're taking is where I'd like to focus on the question of what type of an entrepreneur you are in. There are a lot of tools that you can use out there like disk assessments, uh, emotional intelligence assessment, 
And also there are a number, I mean, literally dozens of entrepreneur type quizzes. You know, some of them are, I would say, really nothing more than a personality test or quiz, but some of them are very intuitive and they do ask really, really good questions that tie back to entrepreneurship and they're using um, conditional lot conditional formatting and logic, yes and no logic, so that if you answer yes to this question, or let's say you choose A, B, C, or D for your answer, then the next question you're presented with is more along those lines. And at the end, like a disk profile, it's building an algorithm to present you with a, a explanation of what type of an entrepreneur you are. But I am going to post a link to a couple dozen different entrepreneur quizzes that you can look at. They're very interesting. I mean, even myself and other entrepreneurs that I know that are really seasoned when they take these quizzes, they sort of, oh, okay, yeah, uh, that, that sounds like me or no, that doesn't sound like me. And what I've done is when I'm investing in a company or I'm trying to start a company, uh, is a good time for me to look at those assessments because sometimes I'm just not going to be the right fit right? I don't say I'm a serial entrepreneur uh, to many people because at the end of the day, not every product or service is going to be a fit for me, for the lifestyle that I live in my, and for my investment goals. So it's never one size fits all and that's not going to be the case for you either. But the one that I wanted to bring up to you um, is, is on uh, keep.com. Uh, keap.com I'm going to post a link there and they are a uh, software company right they help small businesses with software and their quiz is really cool it asks some questions that you wouldn't expect like one of the questions is what song would uh, would you listen to and then they give you the option of like Bon Jovi uh, a, a jazz and a couple of other genres but it's pretty specific, and I don't know how they came up with it, but I will tell you this. I took the quiz multiple times using different personas. So I used my own, went through it real sincere and honest, and then I kind of looked to other people that I know who have very different personalities or behaviors than me. And in every single one of those cases, it described them very um, accurately again, like a disc profile. So uh, I'm going to post it on there and, and then you can figure out whether you're the freedom seeker, the, they have what's called a native genius. Um, for me, my spirit animal was a wolf. Um, and I also um, share lots of attributes, behaviors with Daniel Pink and Seth Godin and and Tim Ferriss. So I'm not sure if that's true or not, but it was interesting that um, I've read all those uh, those authors or business people. I mean, they're they're entrepreneurs. All three of those guys, they're authors too. But really, I've I've read and followed their work, and it was interesting that they matched up to me. Whereas the other profiles that I built in the entrepreneur quiz. Those weren't people that I would identify with and say, hey, I think I have lots of characteristics like them. So definitely take it and, you know, and, and um, see what you come up with. And when you're doing this exercise to really figure out what type of an entrepreneur you are, 
I would also say decide on what type of a company you really want to build, whether you choose a franchise or a private business or solve a new problem like with a startup or, or it's like an aha product that you're going to patent. In any of those cases, try to figure out how big the audience is going to be and how, how big you can scale the business. For me, early in my career, I always dreamt of having a company with thousands of people and going public. Well, you know, fast forward 20 years, my dreams are way, way different. And I'm sure it's the same for every entrepreneur in that I had four kids. We homeschool our kids now. We like to travel in our RV trailer and adventure. So the lifestyle that I want to live is not conducive to building a, you know, thousand person company. And the Department of Labor, SBA and other organizations, they categorize small businesses um, by by the number of employees. So if you have less than 500 employees, you're considered a small business. But we know that when we're saying small business, there's also the micro enterprises and the solopreneurs. And they make up the bulk of that. And like everything else in life, you want to really make a list of pros and cons, advantages, disadvantages. Go out if this is your first rodeo or even if you're a second stage entrepreneur or you've done it a hundred times. I've done it dozens of times. But I still lean on mentors and people that I can trust to ask the questions. Not because I'm not confident or because I'm not passionate enough. It's just that sometimes you have blind spots and you can be emotional about a decision. So it really benefits you and your family to go out and ask people, right? Uh, People that you trust and that have some level of expertise. So I, I always start with that list of advantages and disadvantages. And for me, when I'm building that list of advantages, you know, the, the, the big thing is time, being an entrepreneur. So no matter what personality trait you have, there's virtually no one that doesn't want to have more time to enjoy doing the things they like, whether it's traveling or spending time with their family or just doing their hobbies. And today, you know, there are lots of advantages that we didn't have 10, 15, 20 years ago, like the internet. So it's so easy to set up a e-commerce website on Shopify. You have all this data of readily available to you. You ha- you can connect easier with people. You don't have to have, a you know, 50 employees to make it work. You could have a nice workforce made up of freelancers that you trust and build relationships with. I mean, if you just look at you know, these new startups, relatively new in the last 10 or so years, like the Ubers of the world and DoorDash. It's the gig economy. And many of these companies have built businesses um, by building a workforce, large workforce of contractors. I mean, then, you know, then you have your Amazons. So uh, if most of you are following the news, there's the whole big thing with Amazon and the union workers. And the, the reason I'm bringing that up, I heard a, a segment on NPR about the rise of the non-employee. And it, and it was actually um, an episode on the uncertain hour. But basically, it just goes into that, into the fact that so many of these Amazon delivery workers are not employees and they're on their own and they really bear lots of the risks you know and then of course the issue with the union are no doubt the amazon 
actual employees. But what I thought was interesting when they were interviewing these Amazon workers at the warehouse in um, Alabama, you know, these people were talking about, hey, you know, if we can't get what we want, you know, the pay that we want, it's not just $15 an hour, but we need the benefits, we need the breaks. And no one wants to be treated like they don't have options and choices, right? Like you're rushed to go to the bathroom, you're, you can't make a personal call. Um, they're not asking for ridiculous things, right? But I get it. A company like Amazon, they're working on a very specific uh, process and they have to work people to the bone in order for the consumers to be able to buy products at the price that they do and get free shipping. It's no different than what Walmart did. And for many, many years, Walmart was the scapegoat and everybody would, you know, say, hey, well, you know, they're working not at, you know, it's at their own will. They can always leave. Well, yeah, but that's not the case for everyone. But I do think that the future is people um, looking to build their own gigs, whether it's one, two, three gigs, but having the freedom to spend more time with their family and make more money. I think that that's, and that's what I heard when they were interviewing the Amazon worker. This woman was saying, you know, if this thing doesn't work out, I'm going to pursue uh, entrepreneurship. I've always had a dream of owning a business and never had the courage to do it, but hey, here's an opportunity. And I just thought that that was beautiful, you know, because uh, many people I talk to, they dream about that, but they don't know where to start. And it is scary, absolutely. And it's very hard. There's lots of advantages for sure, but there is lots of challenges, ups and downs, no different than all of us have if you work for a company, right? So we can always make a case that both have some perks that the other doesn't and vice versa. So either way, but again, sticking to the topic of figuring out what type of an entrepreneur you are, right? I think the analogy that you could use, it's like fruits. They are in one category, but there's all different flavors. So you have like the dreamer. And again, most of the, when you Google types of entrepreneurs, you typically get a, um, or you search it on Bing or any of the other search engines, you typically get a search result that is like four types of entrepreneurs and they kind of put them in a box because it corresponds with the disc profiles. But come on, we know there's more than four types of entrepreneurs or there's certainly a mix and it's not always tied back to their behavior. But you know, look, you have the dreamer, you have the the uh, the ones who are the social change makers, the, the ones who are just focused on money, bottom line, like their only goal is to make money and grow and get rich. You've got the ones who love a challenge, so they do it because they really enjoy challenges. I'm sort of in that category that even if I know I'm not gonna make a ton of money, if I enjoy it and the challenge that that is before me is one that speaks to me, I'll keep moving forward with it right? Uh, you've got the problem solvers, right? Like your engineers and your coders and your tech guys who are just tinkers and they love to solve problems. Then you have your creative types, which typically are people who are musicians, artists, and they 
are usually really good at the art, but they are a little bit more challenged when it comes to the business. Not because they couldn't do it, but just really they don't enjoy it. And I've worked, I've done many marketing campaigns for people that fall in that category, right? They're, they, they're just free-spirited and they enjoy doing what they're doing. It doesn't make sense for them to spend a bunch of time. So what I, my recommendation is always find a co-founder. If you can find someone who has the qualities or characteristics that you don't, maybe they're more business minded and you're the creator, then partner with them, right? And then you've got your main street, which again, main street falls more into the brick and mortars, people, the business owner who wants to buy a franchise um, or a business that is already moving and going. And then you've got your second stage type of entrepreneur, which is a little bit more seasoned. They've done it. And I say second stage, not if you've had too many failures, I say second stage if you've had one, at least one good success. And I say for me, I've had a handful. I've been very, very lucky. But in 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 achieving those, you know, handful of successes, I, I mention it on other podcasts and in blogs that I write. And, and when I meet people, I tell those stories because I have failed hundreds of times, but it never phases me because this is what I'm meant to do. I like it. I enjoy it. I really enjoy it. And no, I'm not good at it all the time. Absolutely not. I make lots of mistakes. But you know, the thing about making mistakes and entrepreneurship, they go kind of hand in hand. So if you're going to get into becoming an entrepreneur, you want to be able to break stuff, you know, create, then break it, make the mistakes and be good with it. You know, after all, you're not doing brain surgery. Right? If you're a business owner, you're an entrepreneur, it's commerce, it's transactions, it's taking care of your customers, obsess over your customers, treat your team good, make sure you turn a profit, don't just focus on revenue, you want to turn a profit. And if you're starting out new and a new business, don't go too broad, you know, start with a few different products, make sure you can turn a profit on those and then scale. And then one piece of advice that I give to a lot of young people when I go and uh, lecture at colleges, um, I always say, hey, go work for a company doing what you want to do and learn it on their dime. And when I say learn it on their dime, I, I don't mean just sit there. Go there and work. Bust your ass. Really, you know, do a great job. Learn everything you can. Meet all the people. Make the contacts. And then decide if that's something that you want to do on your own dime, right? It makes so much more sense to do it that way. So that that would be my advice if you're starting out. Um, and then another thing is to decide how how you feel about sales. Because here's the deal. As an entrepreneur, you will find yourself selling stuff. So whether you're the creator or you're the, the, the coder, whatever it is that you're doing, at some point, you're going to be selling people. You're going to be asking for money, whether it's to investors or the bank or someone. And you have to be comfortable selling. So if you're not good at selling and you don't really want to ever get better at selling, that's okay. I mean, it's not okay, but, you know, I get it. You should go out and get a co-founder or a partner that can fill that seat. Because if you can't sell 
and you don't have the funds to hire really all-star salespeople right from the beginning, I hate to say it, your business does not have a chance in succeeding because it is, marketing is good, you need marketing, but really more than anything, you wanna have a bunch of really, really good salespeople who can come in and, and just hit it out of the park. And if you're not that person, you're not comfortable with it, wow, it's gonna be really, really hard, all right? So let's say that now that you've taken some of these quizzes that I'll give you the links to and you figured out sort of what your profile looks like and you're like, yes, I'm making my decision. I'm going to hop on to this entrepreneur journey. Great. Congratulations. The thing now is make a plan. Make a plan. Test the waters. You know, don't just jump in. Okay. And of course you can do that. And I think it for many people, it really depends on their budget. <laughs> you know, there, you really do have to budget what you're willing to spend during those first one, two, three years. Yes, very few companies, there are very few stories of companies who start and then within six months are just making all the profits and all the money. That's the reality is you're going to work really hard for the first few years. So you've got to be ready for that. So if, if both wife and husband you and your partner are depending on a salary and you no longer have a salary because both of you are jumping right into this, well, what's your runway? What's the burn rate? What's, I mean, there's lots of things that you don't know, lots of blind spots. You don't know what the lifetime value of a customer is, how long they'll stay with you. You have to bake in there some risks, things that will come up, right? So you want to build a strategy with a budget and a timeline. Super, super important. When I started Predict, my current agency, in 2011, I started it with $5,000. And I said, look, I'm going to put $5,000 into this agency. And I'm going to just get out there and sell, 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 right? The services I was offering was lead generation. And if I can make it and turn it a profit, turn a profit, in the first six months, then I'm going to stick with it. And I did. I found I found the right clients. I got really lucky. You know, my first client with the company, it's almost 10 years ago now, my first client was a client who paid upfront in an industry that usually pays in net terms. And this guy and his partner, it was an insurance company. They went from buying a couple thousand dollars worth of leads per week to tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands. So I say like in this business, I got really lucky, a, a good start, because if, let's say if I hadn't gotten that particular client, it would have taken me much longer to build the business to where it got to where in second year in business, we did over a million in revenue and we kept growing from there. So sometimes you get lucky. And now, by the way, I was working 24 seven. My wife can tell you I would be up all hours, get maybe two hours of sleep, go back right into it. And I was hiring salespeople, hiring developers in India, and just, just running at 100 miles an hour. But I, you know, you got to have that grit and you can't stop because all I had to play with was that $5,000 coming out of the 08, 09 crisis, the, the meltdown of the economy, that recession. I mean, I, I didn't have the funds that I had in the previous business because I didn't manage it well right? And so again, you have to figure out what your budget is, your timeline, and, and how long before you can call it quits. And, it, and sometimes it sucks. You got to call it quits. I've had to do that before. And it really sucks. But look, 
You're going to work your ass off day and night, okay? But realize what your weaknesses are. No doubt you have strengths. Fine, great. You're going to identify that with the quiz and with the DISC profile. But whatever weaknesses you have, whether it's in the area of legal, let's say you're not good at doing contracts. Great. Make sure you hire a good attorney. Maybe you're not good at bookkeeping. Hire a good bookkeeper or a good CPA. Maybe you're not great at hiring and firing. Okay, so you're going to need a manager or an HR professional, someone that can consult for you. Sales, marketing, customer service, the list goes on and on. IT, you have to figure out what you're good at. I think the problem with many small businesses, micro businesses, I should say, and solopreneurs is we try to be everything to everyone. And I did that a lot in my first 10 years. But in the last 10 years, I've tried really, really hard to know where I have limitations and to know that it's not going to make sense for me to put 10 hours into a task that takes a professional an hour to do, right? So you have to realize that too. And it's, it's just really important. So let's, let's talk about some of the stats that come from the Department of Labor and uh, SBA and a couple of other organizations that put out some data about small businesses. So currently in the United States, there are 31.7 million small businesses. And, and, and that means that 99.9% of all businesses are small businesses. They employ 60.6 million employees in the United States, which is actually 47% of the total workforce. So let's just say small businesses employ half the country. And then another stat that I thought was really, I wouldn't say super interesting, but it is what I expected being that these are the four most populous states. The, uh, the state with the most small businesses is California with 4 million, 4.1 million, Texas 2.8, Florida 2.7, and New York with 2.2. Another cool stat that I um, read uh, on there was that uh, globally there are 500 and 82 million businesses that is like half a billion a little bit over half a billion businesses so again the reason i'm putting out these stats is you could find them anywhere but it's just to show you that look there are millions of people that are pursuing their dreams and it's scary for everyone it's a lot of work for everyone you take a lot of risks you make it uncomfortable sometimes for your family a lot of times for you, okay? But I got to tell you, for me, it's been worth it, the journey. You know, lots of up, ups and, and many downs. But it's been really, really worth it in every way. Um, but what I will say is that like everything, that I'll, everything else that I do, it's starting with the plan. You know, so decide what industry are you going to go into. And like I said, whether you're going to buy a business start one from from scratch you want to answer those questions you really do and i and i would use a framework or a process it's not a process it's really just a framework um smart goals so use smart goals uh, it's an acronym it stands for specific measurable attainable relevant and timely so look it up you type up smart goals comes up everywhere and it is really a simple and easy uh, acronym to remember and to live by when you're creating plans. 
Great. So I feel like we've covered lots of territory as it pertains to deciding what type of an entrepreneur you want to be and the sort of avenues and channels of opportunities that exist out there for you and how to go about it, what kind of planning, what questions you want to ask and what, of course, implications it's going to have for you and your family. What I want to end it with today is really giving you a short list of opportunities for you to test the waters with entrepreneurship with a side hustle, a side hustle or a gig, right? You have gigs out there like your Ubers and your Lyfts, Grubhubs, DoorDash. Great. Those are fine. But not everybody wants to go out there and drive. So let's leave those out of the equation, right? We're going to go over a bunch of others here that really are small businesses that you can do part-time while still working. Um, and then you can decide what, what, what parts of this running a business thing and being an entrepreneur uh, do I like? Am I good at? Where are the weaknesses? And this way, you're not, you know, putting the whole your whole life at risk or your your financial well-being at risk, right? So let's start with the first one: subscription services. That's a great way to get started for really low low price. You can do, let's say, a drop shipping um, subscription service where you can go to a, a website like. Handshake or Printify, and you can create a whole system where you never actually have inventory of the product and it just gets drop shipped. And you can even create it as a membership slash subscription service. That would be one of them. And don't forget that there's also lots of opportunities for direct marketing, what used to be known as pyramid sales. You know, there are lots of companies. We, my wife and I, have many friends who do direct marketing like that, you know. So, Take a look at that too. There are many networks for different products out there. That's also also a good way to start your own business with very, very little investment, okay? It's just mainly your time. Print on demand. That's a, another great small business to start that you can do it on uh, very little time and budget. You can start it with a Shopify website. If you go on the Shopify website, they actually have the print on demand companies. So whether it's t-shirts, mugs, promotional products, you can set up a website and have products ready to go. And then of course, you're going to have to have a marketing plan and get it out there on social media and create content and all that good stuff. But nevertheless, it is a very low cost way to start a business. Upwork, Upwork uh, or Fiverr or any of these other marketplaces for creators is a very good way. So if you have a talent, right? If your talent is, you know, design or video or voiceover, content writing, there's lots of different things that you can do on a marketplace like Upwork or Fiverr. And you can set your rate, whether it's hourly or per project. But that's an easy way to start a, a side hustle that can eventually be the thing that, that turns into a business. So you start it small, you test it, and you see if it takes off and you're good at it. Then, hey, by the way, you're ready to start your business, right? And you didn't have to disrupt your whole life. Uh, website flipping is another one. I was doing website flipping, you know, in early 2000s and doing domaining as early as 99. Uh, there's a website called Cedo, uh, com, and Flippa is another one. And I'll put the links in the show notes as well. But website flipping sometimes sounds easy to do. Like, hey, I buy a website and URL that is generating revenue 
for X, let's say $20,000 or $5,000. There, there's all sorts of price points based on how much revenue they're, they're uh, generating. And then it sounds like, hey, yeah, I just go and flip it for X amount of dollars. No, it doesn't work that way. It's sort of like real estate in that you have to build it up, take it from wherever you, you got it and then build it up even more. And then you can flip it and sell it to someone at a higher price. But you can't just like flip it you know, you get, unless you find someone who has a website that needs to sell it right now, they need to sell the business right now. And then you can take over that and maybe, but again, that's almost never going to happen. Right. So it, it is a, an opportunity website flipping, but you have to be careful because it does, it, it, it does take time to build the traffic and everything up. Um, virtual assistants, uh, personal shopping, those are side hustles, opportunities. Tutoring, you can go to tutor.com. And if you you know, are really good at math or uh, language arts or any subject for all types of grades, you, they can hire you. That's a, that's a marketplace. You're your own boss. You're running your books. You're doing all the stuff. Um, and then they're just paying you, right? On a contract fee. Career coaching, life coaching, there's many courses out there that will teach you and certify you to become one of those. Email marketing. So if you have an, uh, a, a good eye for marketing, for messaging, you enjoy working with uh, companies B2B and helping them grow, which is what I do, then there's lots of opportunities, whether it's on social media or email marketing. So like a company like MailChimp or Constant Contact, they will train you and give you materials and then you can go out there and resell their product, right? Coding, there are tons of coding classes out there, right? If you are a tinkerer and you say, hey, you know what? I really enjoy programming. Even if it's something like just building a website, like a WordPress website, you can learn how to be a really good uh, web developer uh, or designer. And find work. There's always work for web developers and, and, and programmers. So that's the good news there. How about a course online? Do you have a talent that you can share with the world? I mean, it could be, let's say, food. I see so many people post pictures of food on social media or animals. And, and you know, if you look to that, obviously, the reason people are posting is because they really enjoy it. So... I often think to myself, like a lot of these people should be really just having their own show, like cooking show or like a course. Um, and you can build courses on platforms like LearnDash or um, another one is Teachable. And then you sell those courses. You can sell those courses on Coursera or LinkedIn Professionals or Learning. So look at that. Courses online is good. Stock photography. You can sell photography on Shutterstock. There are lots of amateurs, including myself. I love to go out and take pictures of birds. And um, yeah, if, if, if I was, you know, looking to monetize that uh, talent, I could do that, right? I'm not a professional photographer, but I'm sure I could sell some of those uh, pictures uh, and images on Shutterstock and other platforms like Envato. How about a virtual fitness or dance coach uh, or instructor? That's a good one, right? Uh, during COVID, so many people are working from home and they're doing everything virtually, which is why you see a company like Peloton doing so well. So hey, if you're in fitness or, or dance, start a live class, create a secret group on Facebook, um, build a course on LearnDash or do it on Zoom and charge people a small fee, or maybe don't charge a fee at all. 
and just simply ask for a donation using Patreon. And I'll put the link to Patreon on the show notes as well. How about college prep? There are lots of parents that are looking for people to help them with the application process, right? Event planning is another one. And then you, you know, you have other bigger opportunities. Maybe you own a few properties. How about turning it into an Airbnb and you become sort of like a, you know, like a bed and breakfast. And that, that would be a lot of fun. I've always dreamt of having a restaurant and I know that that's like the number one business that is always, you know, every um, leader out there, uh, experienced business owner will, or entrepreneur will say, don't do that. Don't launch, don't open a restaurant because that's a really, really tough business. Um, But I know I'm going to do it one day. Um, Don't, don't know when, but I have ideas and it's just like one of those things that you're like, I know I would be able to do a great job. So whether it's a restaurant or a bed and breakfast, I know I'm going to do that one day. Um, and then you have other industries that you can get in relatively easily just by taking some courses and getting certified. And and then you can just kind of do it part-time, dabble in it, but then it could turn into something really big in a lifelong career. I know many, many people in insurance, real estate, um, financial advising, home, home improvement, car sales, yacht sales. I mean, you name it, right? Think of any product out there that is big ticket item like that. You can start small and really those careers often or today anyways are you're really your own boss, right? If you're a financial, it depends. There is definitely a lot of the traditional firms in the financial industry, real estate and insurance that still work like, hey, they have their employees, they come in and they're nine to five. But there are many other companies that are disrupting the industry because they have good technology uh, or something different that are bringing people on as contractors and just saying, hey, you're your own boss. You make your path. There's no ceiling. If you want to make six-figure salary, great, you can do it. So those are some of the industries that I think that are also traditional, but that you can start with very little money up front. It's the, the money for your education and certification. So whether you decide to do it as a side hustle or make a plan to eventually build an empire you want to you want to grow your own business create a legacy whatever it is you want to do don't let fear hold you back like i said figure out what type of an entrepreneur you are figure out what strengths and weaknesses you have just put that plan down and move forward because that's what you got to do it's like you you have to start that's all you got to do is start and if you fail it's okay you will not regret it Um, you will only regret it if you put all your eggs in that basket. I would never recommend that someone take everything that they have financially and otherwise and put it into something that is risky. So definitely test the waters. There's tons of opportunities out there and I will be here to support you. You can email me directly, email my team. I'm on LinkedIn. Love to connect you with anyone that is in within my network. That is the purpose of the, the Dadpreneur podcast is really to help marketers, leaders, uh, entrepreneurs, business owners find good resources. Okay. So that's what I'm here to do. And I hope that you enjoyed this episode and I will see you on the next episode. Thank you. That's it for the Dadpreneur podcast with Alex Oliveira. Like what you heard? Leave us a review. 
If you have questions, email us at listener at dadpreneur.co. You may also visit dadpreneur.co for free resources.